It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports commerce and editor, battling a bit of a cold, along with Jed Demusi from Local12, sports producer, anchor, and reporter, even check casher out or giver guy, which is an interesting yeah. topic. Uh, did a little news news event uh, right before we did this, so he's an all-around uh, performer here at, at Local 12. Um, something the Bengals are not, because right now they are in a world of hurt in many ways, sitting at 5-8 and eight, coming off the loss of the Chicago Bears, in which they were drubbed 33-7. to seven. Uh, Their franchise record of, of not allowing 30 points or more in a game was snapped, uh, the streak was snapped at 22 straight games. Didn't see that coming at all, Jed. I mean, you could maybe, with all the injuries, understand it was going to be a battle, but never saw that coming. Not against that offense. No. No. Trubisky had his best game in his young career. Howard was outstanding. Tariq Cohen. I mean, everything that this Chicago offense could be this year, they were. Kendall Wright. I mean, they, they made him look like Jerry Rice. I mean, he was catching everything. The, you mentioned, what was it, 22 games the Bengals hadn't allowed 30, and it was a 35-game stretch, I believe, for Chicago where they hadn't scored 30. So two streaks over 22, you know, significant streaks are on both sides coming to an end. The Bengals giving up more than 30 and the Bears scoring more than 30. We, we'd been off on some games this year for sure that this was probably the one that oh. we, we did not see coming to that degree whatsoever. No, no, at one point when the Bears were leading 26-7, I said, well, at least I got the score close to right. I guess 20, I picked 24-7. I just had the, the, the wrong team. I, I, look, I, I know the injuries are a factor, were a factor, and you have to factor all of that in. I just I, I, I could never presume that team would be that bad and, and – and, um, I don't like to use the word quit. I think that's unfair a lot of times. I think that gets thrown around really loosely of, oh, they just threw in the town. No, they just got beat. They got their ass kicked, and that, and that happens. And, and um, it shouldn't happen, but it, it, it did. I, I guess then the question is, what, what changes this week? Because you're from a linebacking perspective, it may be Vinny Ray, Hardy Nickerson, and, and Jordan Evans because uh, now it's Kevin Minter who's joined Vontez Perfect and Nick Vigil as guys who, who can't practice and can't go and may not play on Sunday. This might be worse. It's hard to believe, and, and as 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 we we've talked about in in earlier podcasts this year, how Jordan Evans has really shown some flashes and done some nice things. Boy, but he was I, lost. I think without Vontez Perfect on the field, it, he can't. Perfect makes up. You can say what you want about Vontez, but when he's on the field, he makes a he makes a big difference, and he makes the other guys better. And I think when you don't have him on the field. It, you, you saw it wasn't completely that Vontez didn't play. There are injuries. It wasn't completely the fact that they missed him in that linebacking unit, but it, it certainly didn't help. And Evans got exposed. I think he was maybe the one guy, and he knew it after the game from, from what I saw, is he, he owned up to the fact that he was kind of swimming out there and lost himself at that third and or that fourth and three. Dave Lapham tells straight on Sunday night with me where they completed it to uh, Adam Shaheen, another guy, another holy cow, where did this guy come from? Shaheen had a pretty nice game on that catch on fourth and three. There was just nobody there in zone coverage and and that's the linebacker's responsibility in that defensive look. Yeah, and I mean there were a lot of times Jordan Evans was, was turning around after a play with his like his hands outstretched like what were, was I supposed to be there? Were you? I mean, yeah. The, the miscommunication was was really noticeable. Really noticeable, and it doesn't help when 
a guy doesn't know where he's supposed to be, and it didn't seem like anybody else out there could help him. I mean, how is Hardy Nickerson Jr. going to help him get lined up and, and get hit? I mean, I guess you can count on Vinny Ray to do it, but we've seen Nick Vigil emerge this year. He was the leading tackler for them. I don't know if he still is after missing a few games, but he was the leading tackler on this team. Vontez Perfect is a fantastic player when he gets on the field. So when you lose two of those guys... And now you're expecting Kevin Minter, who, for all intents and purposes... Well, he was lost on the first touchdown <laughs> exactly. play. Exactly. So it's really a, the, the linebacking unit was the blind leading the blind, and now we've got one of the guys who's leaving, as, you know, or is, is probably not going to play as well in Minter. So I don't know if it's going to get really any better with that unit. And that's to say nothing of the secondary, without Adam Jones placed on IR. So... They've got to figure some things out, and, you know, this is a Minnesota team that hasn't been home in a month. They're going to be happy to be home. They can clinch the NFC North with a win. I don't know how much better it's going to get against that team. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll preview that game a little bit uh, here in a, in a minute, but a couple of things that came out of this week to me. Um, there was a comment that, that took on a little bit of life of its own that Marvin Lewis made on yeah. Monday uh, in which he said, and I'll, and I'll quote it, he says, these guys have a lot to play for, and it's not my responsibility to get them to turn up the music. Not the key word there. Not that being the was key the word. big. Um, but I think he's right. I think it's his responsibility to get them prepared. I think it's his responsibility to have them have them um, ready from a mental standpoint. I think the thing that fans they, they want this. I don't think they understand. This is not seventh grade, fifth grade. I coach freshmen, where it is my job sometimes to turn up the music for the players to be the one that is either fiery or pat on the back and, and all those things. This is an execution game. The NFL is not a fiery rah-rah. Yes, do you want guys to play with a passion and a purpose? Yes. That's not going to come from the coach. That's going to come from that player from within. And I think I think his, his quote was stupid. I don't think he should have made it. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily wrong. I, it is the players who need to turn up to me. It is them that need to be self-motivated. They are getting paid to do this professionally. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And we had a, we had a discussion about this in the local 12 sports office, and, and I, I basically had that same opinion almost to the letter that you did. Probably not something Marvin should say, right. but I don't disagree with it. These are professional football players. You're getting paid an, an awful lot of money. You know, I don't understand how people can, can, can justify having these two stances. The NFL, the players in the NFL get paid way too much money, and it's a coach's job to, to, right, to, right. to motivate them. How are those two things? How do those two things work in, in conjunction with each other? It makes no sense to me. And I was sort of in the minority, but I think it's so easy. This this fan base and people that have been around Marvin, it's just so easy when he says something to take an opposite standpoint because you're so over his era. No, right, that's, and I think that's a big part. You were looking for anything. Look, I used the quote on a, on a, on a, on a tweet to, to tease people to read the story, and it kind of took on a life of its own. Um, but I didn't necessarily – I don't, I don't think he's wrong. That's, what, I think that's the point here is, again, I know fans from the outside, they come and they pay their money, and you, you want to see fired up. It, 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 I'm sorry, people, it doesn't work that way. I, it, this, again, this is not – Eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. It just is not. Um, is Bill Belichick an emotional guy? No. 
Uh, he's pretty clinical. Was Don Shula an emotional guy? No. Was Tom no. Landry an emotional guy? Yeah. Was Jim Tom Sula an emotional guy? He was. He was. And it didn't How's work, he doing? It didn't work out so well. Correct. I mean, you have to be true to what you are. Look, if you are, if that's the way you are, that's fine. If you're, if you're a stoic person, that's fine. What matters is, do you have the players who are good enough, and can you get them to execute on a week-to-week basis? Now, you can argue that Marvin has not gotten them to do that, and that's fine. But this is not this is the, what he said doesn't mean that he doesn't care doesn't have pat look there's no fire and brimstone win one for the Gipper speech they're just it doesn't work that way folks it just doesn't now if, you, if I think a lot of people don't understand it, 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 we're, Skinny and I are not saying that Marvin Lewis does not have a, 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 a he does he does not yeah. have a role in, in up in upholding certain expectations absolutely. The, the word I was going to use, and I'm glad you brought it, is, is there's there's an accountability factor that he has to hold yes. to, and a standard he has. Yes, I agree with that part of it. Right. But that's not going to come from him on the sideline throwing down his headset and getting in somebody's face right. all the time. It's just it, it, that, that part. No, but I agree with that. No doubt. An accountability factor. And that's factor. what the good coaches do. Correct. The Bill Belichick's Correct. of the world who say, you know what? I mean, you saw it with Jamie Collins last year. There's going to come a point in time where every New England Patriot looks over their shoulder and says, I am no longer allowed to be here anymore because that's the standard that he is held up to. Yeah, yeah, and he was so mad at him, he sent him to the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> Cleveland. I mean, really, that's about yeah. what he did going. Right, who could, oh, Cleveland, good, you're there. And that sends a message. Absolutely. That sends a message. Tom Coughlin, you had and, to be on Coughlin time. And, and, and I can agree that Marvin, at least what we know publicly, and it may be stuff that we don't see behind the scenes, has not done that. And I think that's a fair criticism from fans. I, I, right. I'll give you that part of it. Right. I, I think fear is the best motivator for for professional athletes you hear it all the time slow feet don't eat right and you've got to you've got to execute and you've got to have a guy in place that says hey i i need you guys this this is this is what i expect and if you don't live up to it we're gonna we're gonna ship you up the river have there been guys on the bengals where that standard has not been lived up to yeah i think there are some guys in that locker room potentially that 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 they know that what they can get away with, and 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 they know that there's not going to be that hammer that comes down on them. I think that's uh, evident. I'm not going to name any names, but I think there has been cases of that in in recent years. So if you want to get on Marvin for that, and you want to hold him accountable for that, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have to put any pom poms in his hands. Every time a coach, this is this is human nature. Any time a coach leaves. You look at him and you say, "I want somebody in the complete opposite of him." Oh, it happens in baseball. It's, it's oh, he's constantly. too much of a players' manager. He's right. not enough of a players' manager. And so what right. do you get? You let the players' manager go to get the hard ass in there. Right. Hard ass works out for a couple of years. Get the players' manager back in there. It, it, it is. It's a it's a cyclical process in that regard. So and and some coaches work and some coaches don't. And some coaches have, find a way to hold players accountable and some coaches don't. Whether they're going to be hard asses as you mentioned or whether or not they're going to be hanging out with the players after the game Sunday or Monday or whatever what needs to be the standard is having an accountability system yes. in place where yes. hey you know what you're not more important than this team and we'll let you go and, and, I'm, and I I really believe that that has not been the case with the Bengals um, that they've kind of let things slide because of talent and at the end of the day that's great when things are going well and when they don't it comes back to bite you in the ass. And you sold out to talent. I get it. Um, I'd rather have, have the better Jimmy and Joe than the worst Jimmy and Joe. But sometimes the mediocre Jimmy and Joe with some hard work and coaching and doing things the right way 
will outplay the, the great Jimmy Joe, Jimmy and Joe. I, I, and I think that's been the case with Marvin is get intoxicated with the talent level, even though you know there are some issues that here and there, and, and I think some of that's happened. And if, if you were to be honest with yourself as a fan, somebody gets on post-game speech, let's say a team's down 14 points at the end of the game, they, they make a great comeback, and they put a microphone in his face after the game, he says, I couldn't let my team down. I, I know that I have a responsibility to the guys in those lock in that locker room, right. and and I have a you know I couldn't I couldn't live with myself or maybe not that far, but he says something along those lines, and we like that. You never hear a player go up there and say, you know what, coach, it, gosh, he just gave the greatest Correct. halftime speech that I've ever heard, and I wasn't planning on giving it my all, but, but I sure once did. I heard that, I really had no other choice. You never hear that, and if you did hear that, you'd be like. Why does it matter that the coach had to go Al Pacino on any given Sunday for you to give your best? Exactly. What's the op- What's the alternative to a coach being required to motivate his players on a daily basis? The alternative is the the players are waiting for that and they they need to hear that to motive to be motivated to play. It makes no sense. No, I would agree. Um, then on Wednesday, uh, Marvin got a little melancholy, um, and this was a this was you know this was the point where you just realize this is all sinking in to a large degree, right? He was asked uh, a question, uh, Mike Zimmer actually, in a, in a Minnesota uh, press conference, said it would be a tremendous loss if Marvin were not to coach the Bengals anymore. question was, how did you receive that message and hearing him say something like that? He says, we all realize with, that when you sign up for these jobs, the thing is, it's not forever. And, and that's the point where you know that, that he knows. Look, his contract is up. We've talked about this ad nauseum in that regard. Um, the likelihood of him not coming back or, or being re-signed, rather, not he'd have to be signed to a new contract, is pretty high. But when when I heard that and read that on Wednesday, I went, okay, he knows. He, he knows. This is almost like self-publicizing that. Look, I know. I got three games left. That's what it felt like. And you know, I would say that before Sunday, and hearing what Doug Pelfrey had to say on the Sports Authority, and hearing what Dave Lapham had to say. This is all trended in the same direction for me, but hearing from two former players who at one point in time had a check written to them by Mike Brown. I don't know if you have. I certainly haven't. Nope, don't believe I have. <laughs> so their perspective was it's not as done of, done of a deal as it seems, as people are saying it is. To me, that doesn't make sense because of what I'm seeing and, and what I'm hearing but I, I have to defer to those two guys who played and know the ins and outs maybe more than we do to say maybe it's not as clear-cut as these statements make it, it seem. It, it may not be from a Mike Brown perspective. There's a part of me that feels like it is from a Marvin Lewis perspective, right. though, that Marvin has made peace with this, that he's not going to take his shoe and pound it on the podium come January 1st and demand a contract, um, that it's almost the feeling of, you know, I've... 15 years is a long time, and maybe it's just time for, for me to go. I, I, the, the other part, though, and we argued this obviously on the Sports Authority, you, Doug, and I, and I, I appreciated Doug's point of view on it, but you've, you have to give your fans something. Um, your fans have turned now not only a blind eye, they are now to the angry, then apathetic stage. When you're 10,000 under for a Monday night game on a nice night against your main rival, was still something to play for. Maybe not a lot, but still something. I mean, they are actually mathematically still in the playoff race. Oh, at that point, there, it was but a huge still, game, yeah. still something to play for. And you still don't have that. You still don't have fans coming out. 
you better listen to your fan base on this. And look, I'm not here to tell you always capitulate to them. Um, you know, you're, 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 you run your organization for what you think is the best to win games, etc. But you're at the stage now where fans are not going to buy this any longer. So if, if Marvin doesn't decide to walk on his own and Mike decides to give him another contract, Katie, bar the door from what you think your fans will do because it will be a disaster. Literally, Katie Blackburn. Katie Blackburn will bar the door, yes. <laughs> so, and you've, you've said that in, in last year on the podcast, is that there, nothing's going to change until the fans speak with their pocketbooks. Right. And it's going in that direction. It's very much going in that direction. The, the, I mean, the Christmas Eve game has a chance to be a, a, a yeah. an attendance disaster. Now, there'll be, it'll be announced as 50,000 or whatever because right. that's the tickets that were sold. But right. from an attendance perspective, it has a chance to be a disaster. And just a small sample size of, of people that I follow on Twitter and Facebook that I know are season ticket holders – they're trying to get rid of those tickets. You know, hey, we've got these tickets. Does, do you know anybody? I mean, I haven't seen this much, this this big of an attempt to give tickets away for a single game that I can remember in, in a while. Um, the other the other part about this that, you know, I understand from your perspective and, and what you said, and I agree that it's time. I think Sunday night I brought up the, the Mike Shanahan situation in Denver. He had a lot more success in right, Denver, but right. it came a point in time where both sides had to say maybe it's best if we part ways. And I think at the very least that's what we're having right now in, in Cincinnati. And it's a clean break. It's a clean break contractually. Mike right. Brown is a contract guy. Look, he, he let Marvin Lewis play out the two years of this contract because that's what he's a – and I think it's why he didn't sign him to another extension because not so sure. Let's let's see how things right. go. And, and if things go well enough, then then okay, we'll revisit this. He is a – this is just a – if, if Marvin had two more years on his deal, I'd be in the camp that says he's absolutely coming back. I mean, it's just the way they do business. Um, you can argue that he's earned those two years because it's on his contract. This is a clean break, though, Jed. This is the and, part and, where you have to make the clean break from both sides. And my, my point in saying that is is that even if you don't get the top name on your list, you got it. You have to go out for all the reasons you said. It's a clean break. You have to give the fans something. But what I'm not quite sure of is everyone's talking about, oh, there could be 25% of the jobs yes. in the NFL open. How many of those jobs are more appealing than the Bengals? That's a great point. Is where are the Bengals in the pecking order of, of, of coaching jobs in I don't, the NFL? I don't think they're as far down the list as everyone would like you to believe. Well, yes and no, um, because you know how business has been done here in the past, and, and the fear would be how is business going to be done in the future. But the, the the part where I think it would be is you still have a pretty good roster on your hands to walk into. And, and, and okay, if you want to... Mike Brown and, and, and his relationship to the coach and, and how business is done, that, that is a big factor, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But what I will say is, if, if you just look at that roster, I don't know of, of the other jobs that are coming open how much you have to work with well, if you're a head coach. Well, I mean, the Jets. No. Okay. I want absolutely nothing to do with the Giants. Jets. No. Washington. But you're losing Kirk Cousins, maybe. Likely, yeah, probably. I, I mean, Washington signed Terrell Pryor to a big. I mean, they're they're trying to figure things out at wide receiver, running back. They've got you know the kid from Oklahoma, Pirine, that's uh, you know. Kind and they of, had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. They had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. Objectively, I you know I, I don't know the ins and outs of their roster. Uh, I, I guess I would say that that potentially would be close. Bears, no. Uh, Indy, no. Houston. I don't know if Houston's going to come open. I think that uh, I think that I think that 
Bill O'Brien buys himself another Maybe. year because of the injury, of the injury to Deshaun Watson and Maybe. because Deshaun Watson publicly came out and said I yeah. want him back for whatever that's worth. Tampa. Mm. I don't know. I mean, would you rather have Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton? I'd rather have Andy Dalton. I'd rather have Andy Dalton. I would too. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans is a great player. He's... He's in A.J. Green's category. I don't know right hasn't now. He hasn't played like it this year. Not part of that's because James hasn't. Winston hasn't played right, like either. Right. I think Mike Evans is a, is a talent capable of playing the way A.J. Green does defensively. What, Gerald McCoy, is he still there? I don't I know. So. I guess I'd, I, none of these none of these teams stand out to me because they're not any good. Sure. And I think Tampa will be open. I don't think that they're – I don't know. I, I just don't think that there are too many teams that are going to be out there where you look at the roster. You have an all-pro on the defensive line. If Vontez Burfitt can keep his head straight, you have an all-pro at linebacker. You have an all-pro at wide receiver. You've got three all-pro, like, pencil them in. You have three first-round corners still around. Drinker, Patrick, <laughs> William Jackson III, and, and Dark West And William Jackson has shown a lot of promise. Yes, he Vigil has shown a lot of promise. I mean, you've got somebody at every level that is either getting to a point. With, where, another, with another draft class. With John Ross, who we still haven't seen. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if, if talent was the only factor, and it's not. It's not the only factor, but the, you know the other thing. Washington, who wants to coach for Dan Snyder? Right. It's, I, it, no one's been successful with it. Who wants to coach for Jim Irsay? I mean, you know, I don't know what the situation in Tampa is, but I just, I, I the, all of the things being equal, I would want to go to a place where I know that I can kind of hit the ground running. And the funny part to this is, usually you you get a three to three to five hot name guys. I don't know of any. Pat Shermer. Yeah, not a hot name for me. But but no, really. <laughs> He's not a hot name. No, I'm being yeah. facetious. Um, that, that's my point is is there just aren't there aren't those guys right now, right? That that make you go, boy, I hope they land him. I no. mean, th- this this could be a Bengals coaching hire of, yeah, I've heard of him, but but who what does he do? What has he done? And that's the part. You want a coaching change? I get it. I get that it, it, it deserves to be done. 15 years is a long time. It is a long time. There have been peaks and You're valleys. You're firmly in the camp that it needs to be done. Yes, because you've you've given him enough right. time. Um, I'm not one through the through the making the playoff years that said, you're going to win a playoff. It's, it's hard to win a playoff game, okay? I'm not here to make an excuse. It's hard. The consistent success, absolutely he deserved. Now you're back-to-back losing seasons. There's some mitigating factors, but you're at the stage now where, all right, you're back on that backward-down cycle again a little bit. It, the, the, you know, you can't just keep doing this year after year and beat your head against the wall and hope it's going to change. Right. Done some good things. Deserve that this next go round, which he just had. Not sure he deserves another one. I, I, you had your last swing at it. Didn't work out. Time for somebody else. If the Washington job is open, is Jay Gruden a possibility? Back here? Yeah. He's a possibility. I think fans would get excited because he's an offensive coach, but... They had a lot of success with him as offense. I mean, they, they, they made the playoffs they with him as offense coordinator. The, the the prevailing thought is Mike Brown's got to have somebody that he that he knows no that doubt. he trusts. No doubt, he fits that. He checks he that does box. Check that box. I personally think he should he should stay in Washington. I don't think he should be fired. I think he's doing a fine but he's job. Gonna. I, I think he will be. So I think. I I think they're really going to look at him. All right, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there just aren't a lot of candidates that you're like. Man, that's a good pool of guys. There's right. a lot of guys. I mean, when you hear Todd Haley's name getting thrown around, Ugh. give me a break. There's a lot. Every coach that I've heard. Um, what about Marty Morningwig? Ugh. Every coach that I've heard, and that he fits into that, 
This would be Jim his, Schwartz. This would be his second head coaching job, right. and his first head coaching job was an absolute unmitigated disaster. Jim Schwartz had some decent years with the Lions. That may not be as big of a disaster. Um, Todd Haley did not have a good run in Arizona. Pat Shermer, maybe you give him a pass. I saw. I saw the there. Josh McDaniels experience already. How'd that, how'd that go in Denver? Well, and and you know maybe you give Pat Shermer a pass because he's in Cleveland where nobody right, right. has had any sort of success. Marty Morningwig once famously took the wind in overtime. Yeah, back when the so first <laughs> back when the first score sealed it, and you I didn't get a chance. Got got one though. Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator Mike Schwartz. <laughs> I I kid I kid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's not going to work out so good either. And 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 uh, yeah, this this may dovetail into the uh, into the Minnesota discussion. I I think Pat Shermer deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this offense with a with a Case Keenum guy who. Oh no doubt. He's been he's been not a good. He's been Dude, a career looked, backup. They looked dead in the water without Sam Bradford. Counting the days until you got Teddy Bridgewater back. Instead, it has been Case Keenum playing at an MVP level. Um, At an MVP level. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. No, but he's, but played, he's yeah. yeah. He's been he's been outstanding for a team that doesn't run it great. They're averaging four yards a carry, and they've run it better. Actually, Latavius Murray's been a night. Him and Jarek McKinnon have, have, have done a very nice job because, don't forget, they wanted the rookie to Dalvin Cook to be the guy at the start right. of the year and got hurt and – Suddenly they're looking around going, what are we going to do at running back? And they become a pretty nice I mean, little this, two-headed monster. This is a team that lost its quarterback. It's it, running th- that back. That was on its second quarterback, Correct. really. It, the running back it was counting on, Dalvin Cook, what, five games in? Whatever Four it was. Four or something. Yeah. And who looked really good. Who looked like he was going to be yeah, 300 a, a, yards a and real almost five yards a carry. Right. So th- that's, that's strike one, strike two for this team. And they have just, they, they haven't missed a beat. I mean, they're... they're they're, for all intents and purposes, going to win the AFC North. They can win the AFC North. NFC with a, North. I'm sorry, NFC North. They can win the NFC North with a win, or if Green Bay and the Lions lose, they win the and, NFC and the, North. And they're still in a battle for uh, for home field. Uh, Philadelphia right now 11 and two has the home field. Minnesota next at 10 and three. Um, Philly obviously with Nick Foles now. Correct, and, and they've got to play at the Giants, which should be a win, but it is with their backup quarterback and the Raiders and Cowboys at home. So. Um, a, a fighting chance for Minnesota down the stretch with a, with a little bit of a break to maybe get home field in the NFC on top of it. And, and at the I, very least, a bye. And I don't know when the last time, this would maybe be something to look at. I, don't, I feel like it's happened recently, but I don't know when the last time a team with a bye was hosting the Super Bowl. That's a good call. That's it's funny. Been, there's never been a team that has played in their home stadium point. for the Super Bowl, but the, the Vikings may be one of the few teams that has had a first-round bye who's hosting the Super Bowl. So it could be uh, an interesting situation for them. We can't go really any further in this in this discussion with the Vikings without mentioning Adam Thielen, a guy who was coached by, you know, Hayden Fox and Luther at Minnesota State. This guy is out of control good. He's already got 1,100 what about, yards. Was it Dauber? Was Dauber? I think Dauber was the OC and Luther was the DC. Luther was definitely the DC. Luther went to the OC. Dauber was like that stupid grand assistant. Yeah, he? I don't know if they caught... It's only a three-man coaching staff. <laughs> Which is even more remarkable. But he may they, they may have uh, left for the Orlando Breakers Look it up, at that kids, point. Coach, coach was the show. Look I'm it up. Not, I'm not sure if, if they were there for the Hayden Fox, if he was there for the Hayden Fox era or not. Um, but it, this, this kid was a practice squad guy. This kid didn't get an invite to the combine. Went to you know was right in their backyard and said, "Hey, we'll we'll give you a shot." And the thing is, I want to say he's a great compliment to Stephon Diggs. Actually, I think Stephon Diggs is a great compliment to him. Oh, 
I mean, looking at the numbers, yeah, right. Diggs was supposed to be in. The, this was a team that was hoping Laquan Treadwell right. would come on. And he and, still hasn't. And he has not. So Kyle Rudolph, the local guy from Elder, has, has really and come he's, on he's in the last two weeks. Yes, uh, th- there is question as to whether or not he will play, but he has been outstanding for them. And their defense has been very good. Oh, I mean, forget it. Everson Everson Griffin's back. He missed a couple games due to plantar fasciitis. He's got 13 sacks in. Let me do the math. They've played what? They've played 13. He missed two sets. 13 sacks in 11 games. Pretty good. Uh, He was in that same fourth round that Geno Atkins was taken, and this was a guy who really was just sort of a a good pro, a guy that that was going to to be solid, but he's really emerged this year as a very – Talented player on the edge. I think Harrison Smith's probably one of the best safeties in the NFL. Xavier Rhodes has been outstanding at cornerback. The ageless Terrence Newman is still around. I mean, defensively, they're averaging 3.8 yards per rush against them and passer rating of 79.8 when about an 87 passer rating is probably about average in the NFL. And they probably, I think, have the loudest stadium yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We set the over-under for the, uh, for the Viking Horns and hearing that on Sunday at 42 and a half. Is that close? Uh, yeah, I would think that's, that's going to be close. I don't know where they stand with that one guy who used to ride out on the motorcycle. Right, yeah, yeah, Did yeah, they yeah. bring him back? I don't know. I'll see Sunday. That's a Well, good I think they, he wanted to be paid. And they said, no, get lost. And then there was such, there was such an outcry. Pay the man hundred bones. In a multi-billion dollar industry. You can't pay the guy a hundred bones to fire up the crowd. Well, Come you on. don't get to be a multi-billion dollar industry by paying That's a guy on a motorcycle a hundred dollars. That's a good point. So, I mean, come on. I, I need mon- I need monkeys on, on sheep riding on, on, on tricycles. That's, my, that's what I need to see on Sunday. That's the halftime entertainment. All right, quickly, who wins this game and why? I, I the Vikings haven't been home in a while. They're going to be mad because yeah, it's eight three, game. three three straight on the road, and they had the eight game losing streak. Well, eight game. Last, yeah, or eight game winning streak, or they're snapped in the last game. Right. So I think this is a, a team that is is really clicking. They're, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's funny, Jed. They've been home one time since October twenty second because since then they played Cleveland in London. At Washington, played the Rams at home, big game, and they, they yeah. met the challenge. And they humbled after, the Rams. After being down 7 nothing early, Rams went right down the field. I think it was first possession, went yeah. right down the field and scored, and they end up winning 24-7. Then at Detroit, at Atlanta, at Carolina. So they have not been home very much in the last six weeks or so. Yeah, so this is going to be a, a fan base that's going to welcome them back. This is going to be a team. Trap, trap game with the Packers on deck? Very much so. Uh, very much so, trap game. And that's something that, that maybe the Bengals can, uh, can exploit. Uh, the Bengals have to hope that, that a guy like Kyle Rudolph sits this one out. Maybe they say, hey, we're playing the Bengals. We need Rudolph for the stretch run here. You know, we can clinch. When you're in a position in the NFL where you can clinch and not win, maybe you dial back who you're playing if you've got some question I, I marks. I think the only problem is, is you're still playing for home field. I think that's, that's true. The big, I think that's the biggest part. That, that's that, true. They've still got that. So they still potentially have a, a you know a reason to maybe give, give guys run that, that – Otherwise, could use a, a week off, um, but I, I just don't. I don't see the Bengals going on the road. They're they're a double digit underdog for the first time in quite some. Two thousand eight, I believe, is the last time against Indy on the road with Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacking against Peyton Manning, and they lost thirty five to three. Just FYI, <laughs> so they did not uh, not one to put in in your teaser. But no, I, I don't see them winning this game. I, I think uh, I think the Vikings really take care of business in this one and uh, end up uh, getting the win and 
vanquishing whatever hopes the uh, whatever fleeting hopes the Bengals had to finish eight and eight and somehow find a way in. Uh, I think uh, Vikings win this one. Mm. I'm gonna go. I'll go twenty-eight to seventeen. I'll go thirty-one thirteen. Okay. Just has a feel of that. Okay. Well, doinks the upright or would have been thirty-one fourteen. Don't right. know what the over/under will be, but but uh, but hopefully that doesn't caution the over/under. Hopefully so. not. I've got one more thing yes, I want yes. to talk about before we get into we the can. teasers here. A mini rant of sorts, and I'll be interested to get your opinion. There was a story out of Jacksonville this past Sunday that came this close to being a national headline. The riot. The riot. When Quentin Jefferson was kicked out of the game, and I think Michael Bennett for, for the Seahawks and Jaguars, Jefferson was, was kicked out of the game, and as he was leaving the field, the fans were throwing plastic cups of, of beer at him. Which is absurd. Which is absurd. He... He stopped, he backtracked, went over, and came this close to getting into the stands. We almost had very a, close. a Ron Artest-Steven Jackson incident that we had when the Pacers played the, the uh, Pistons a few years back at, at the Palace of Auburn Hills. That was one of, the, one of the biggest black eyes for the, for the NBA in recent years. And in a league that has taken a lot of PR hits, whether it be what they've done with domestic violence, what they've done with concussions, this would have been one of the bigger incidents that this league has had to weather. It would have been interesting to see what punishment would have been meted out if a player had gone into the stands. And it would have been interesting to see the ramifications of that player going into the stands in terms of severely injuring one of these knuckleheads that threw a beer. So Roger Goodell should have been on the plane Monday morning to Jacksonville and taken all of those security personnel out to Toys R Us or wherever, giving them Amazon gift cards for preventing what could have been a very ugly situation. It, and I happening. did see, I didn't see the whole video, but I did see a couple security people that were able to get a couple of fans that, that they thought were doing right. things and either arrest them or take them away from the situation. So that was good. Right. And a lot of people have this impression that, oh, these security guards, they, they, they answered the bell right. in that situation. That, that being said... Where do we pass out blame? Should Quentin Jefferson have been smart enough to go to the locker room? Should he have allowed himself not to be affected by these fans? Yes, he should have. I'm not saying he doesn't bear any responsibility for that. But getting a beer thrown on you, But on. the bigger picture is these fans are out of control. Yes. These fans are out of control. What happened to the Bengal game? Remember, was it Brandon Tate caught the touchdown in yes. the Buffalo game and had the beer dumped on him? It should not I mean, be, come on. It, it should not be a player's job to overlook an egregious no doubt something of that sort and they should you don't have the right to do that as a fan but I, bought, I bought my ticket you can boo. i bought my ticket but i bought my 75 dollars right. ticket i'm entitled to no you're not entitled to do that and i'm not i'm not here saying don't have a beer i'm not here saying don't tailgate i'm not clutching my pearls and saying oh you know this is you shouldn't you should be nice or whatever I, I drink my fair share of beer, skinny, you do as well. But there comes a point in time where you have to be accountable for your actions. And as, as grateful as an NFL fan as I am that that player didn't go into the stands, yes. a part of me wishes that he was and taken his helmet and rolled some tide and given these guys an opportunity to see what happens when that barrier yeah. that you think yeah, exists you think there is a no force longer... field. You're right. You think there's a force field there. There's no doubt about that. And, and if you can do anything say anything, act any way, throw things at people. That barrier comes down, that's a real live, real man coming at you, man. And this is a guy who, who has worked out. As a, I mean, this is a large, athletic man coming after you. 
and it, it, I, I'm glad that it didn't happen. Agreed. But I would, I wish that we could somehow get through to people where I don't wish that that had to happen because this is unbelievable behavior. And this idea that a ticket costs you X amount of dollars to be that close and you have the right to say or do whatever, to curse in front of small children or to do this or you to don't. do that. You just don't. It's just ridiculous. And it's about time that that, that somebody... St- and, and I know uh, Paul Brown has done it. I know... Uh, First Energy Stadium. Has oh, most done of them. It, most of them do. Where that. you can do some text this to right, the number right. if you see. And most a fan. of them do have that. Yeah, but but uh, th- th- this fan is because nothing got out of hand. These fans are kind of off the hook, and we kick the can down the road, and we say, oh, okay, nothing happened. You know, the 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 NFL washed their hands of it back in a in a, in a game in two thousand one that involved the Browns and the and the Jaguars when they were throwing beer bottles, glass bottles, they said, oh, we're going to get rid of plastic bottles. We're good. Or, or I'm sorry, we're going to get rid of glass bottles. We're going to make it all plastic. We're good. We're, Those are just as bad. This is what we've done, and it's going to be better now. It's not better, and this it's it's ridiculous what fans think they're entitled to do. No doubt about it. End that. of rant. All right, on to our three-team teaser of the week. You think you won last week. <laughs> I know I did not, but you want to make a case for you won. Well, here's the deal. I didn't lose. Okay, I didn't, I, there is not a game, I, I had Seattle in that game that we just talked about, plus 10, I think they lost by 6, they so did. they covered. That is correct. Philly won outright against uh, the Rams, correct. so they, I had them at plus 9. Oakland scored, they were down 26 nothing heading correct. into the fourth quarter, and scored 15 fourth quarter points, I had them at plus 11. So that gets them to 26. My guy, back in the day, would not accept a tie and a teaser. A tie and a parlay, yes. A tie and a teaser was an L. Okay. I'll give you a partial win. I'll give you a, a two-team <laughs> team No, I'm not going to take a partial win. I think you're right because I think if you I, I think if you do, and, and there are some interesting uh, rules, but I think if you do a two-teamer, you almost you get Maybe. paid if one pushes. Maybe. But three, I know you're right. And you were parlay, close. Yeah, I was for close, you. but yeah. I didn't get it done. And a parlay busted down to a two-team parlay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you obviously did I not. I was terrible. Did not Just absolutely well. terrible. Not. All right, it's time for this week's teaser of the week. What do you got? All right. Three I, teams. I think we've got... Seven-point line fluctuations. <laughs> Sounds so easy. I have two, two wins. Two to one and a half. And two you have to, one and a uh, half. Two to one. Uh, I think we've got a similar game, so I'm going to start with... Uh, I'll end with the similar game. I'm going to go back. I, I, I feel like I have the Rams coming or going one way or another in, in teasers. Uh, I'm going to take them plus nine at Seattle, coming off a loss. Uh, Seattle's got a banged-up defense. This is this is the antithesis of why I took Seattle on the road last week against Jacksonville. But I think the Rams getting nine at Seattle is uh, it, you know, Seattle's defense is so bad that it should keep the Rams in the game. Yeah, they've been decimated defensively. Uh, I don't think Baltimore's as good as they looked against against uh, Pittsburgh. I'm doing it again. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns plus 14. This has a feel. I don't know why it has a feel. This has a feel of an outright Browns victory. Very close <laughs> last week. Very. I mean, led 21-7, should have won the game. Yeah. This has the feel, though, of Baltimore coming off such an emotionally draining Sunday night game um, on the road against your your, your rival. Now you got to play the, uh, it's just the Browns, on the road that, that's the. I think that's the most dangerous spot in the NFL. Today. Josh Gordon has completely. 
completely changed their offense, the dynamic Absolutely. of this offense. Him being on the field Absolutely. has made just having a guy that you have to account for as opposed to I, Kenny Britt. I, I think there's a Browns the middle. I, I feel a Browns win. I feel it. So I like <laughs> you getting what do you get? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, you're home. I think they're. T- I, I just. I, I just think Baltimore is just. You're two and zero. Oh. They're. They're. They're striking. And me. here comes the one that'll get you probably. Yeah. I, I think I'm about. I'm buying into the Aaron Rodgers narrative. He's a good. He's a great quarterback. He's, a great he's quarterback. back. Um, they're in the playoff hunt. You know, I think because the quarterback play was so egregiously bad, right? That even if Aaron Rodgers is seventy-five percent, that's a good offense, right? But Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense, and they let the that's Browns get up on a pretty good pretty point. good. The other part too is I think if Case Keenum was coming back, or or even Andy Dalton, if you know he's coming back, he's got X amount of screws in his in his clavicle. He's got this. He's got that. I think just the aura of Aaron Rodgers makes people think that one good hit no doubt. won't knock him out of the game, and I think it very well could. But I think Green Bay, because they because they geeked out a win against the Browns, they're still alive. They still have a chance. I'm going to take him getting 10 points, going on the road. You're not even looking for him to win. You're getting a nice double-digit number here. Yeah, on the road against Carolina. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's the bet. Carolina is so... So Jekyll and Hyde this they year. They are very. It's, it's been the weirdest team in the league. Um, I'm, ta- I'm joining you in that one, by the way. I'm taking Green Bay plus ten at Carolina for the exact same factors that you said. Carolina is Jekyll and Hyde, and Aaron Rodgers is back. We take Pittsburgh at home, getting ten against New England. They are coming off that same emotional game I mentioned. Baltimore did, but they've been they they've been talking about this game for three weeks. They've been chomping at the bit for this game. It's at home, home field advantage. They don't want to go. This is the don't want to, you don't want to go to Foxborough for the AFC Championship game? Win this one. Make them come to your place. And I'm getting 10 points? Come on. That's a gift. The Steelers, they, they've, they had that abomination against Jacksonville, and they had that, that blip on the radar against, against the Bears. Um, but they getting ten points is just yes. I, I just I, that I offense know, is I, clicking. That offense is humming right. I don't now. know how you can't how you can't take that. And I will take Kansas City at home. They're reeling. Yes, um, but they did they did kind of snap the funk last week against Oakland at home. Now playing another AFC West opponent, the Chargers. Um, I'm getting eight points. The Chargers are actually favored by a point. I feel good about this. I'm getting two home teams with chunks of points that are technically in first place in their division, basic one tied and one in first place, and the Packers still alive with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Third win of the year, baby. I don't think Take it to the Bri- bank. Phillip Take Rivers, it to the bank. Phillip Rivers doesn't do good as a favorite. He, I feel like he does a lot better when, he, when he's got to just rile the troops up and, and come back. And, Fair and enough. It, it, at some point, I think, I think the Chargers have to come back down to earth, but... Um, they're, they're playing. Keenan Allen has, has been playing just outstanding they've been, they've been for them. But I think and if they, Chiefs if, at home. If they had made a kick or two earlier in the year, they'd be 9-4-ish and four-ish about right now. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, All right, uh, what do you got coming up on, on Local 12 this next coming week? Uh, Bengals Nation, we've got a few shows left Wednesday night. The Moreland Lager House, you can catch that broadcast. This week we had Michael Johnson. That airs Saturday at 11.30 following the Local 12 News. We've got Sports Authority. Dave Lapham will, will join us. You'll be with uh, Gary from uh, Minneapolis from on Minneapolis, Sunday yes. giving your take on the game. Sports Authority, always fun. Uh, we've got some other projects kind of in the offing once uh, the Bengals season wraps up. We may have some things to announce here in the next couple weeks in terms of our college basketball coverage. So a lot to, uh, to look forward to. 
And um, that's uh, that's about it. There you go. I got you covered at local12.com with uh, with Bengals, college basketball, Reds offseason news, and much more. Of course, our college basketball podcast, Rick Boring, Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Musketeer Report. Join me each and every week. That'll be a twice-a-week podcast once we get into January. But for now, uh, we put it up each and every Wednesday. So make sure you head to local12.com to catch all of that and more. For my man, Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us today on the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.